different time. Don't you feel that way? Oh my, to fall in love with him, the best friend you'll ever have in your life. You can take him with you. You bring him with you when you go to work. You bring him with you when you go to bed. And you bring him with you when you go to church. And that's, that's what we brought tonight. We brought the portion of him, that comforter, that advocate. He's the one. You know, if you've got him on the inside, you can never be deceived. If you've got the Spirit of Christ, He will lead you and He will guide you into all truth. So it's not what's up here, it's what's down here. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Welcome everyone here today. We have a few visitors. God bless you. You're welcome. Trust the Holy Spirit is your portion. Good to see Brother Virgilio and family back from the Philippines. Good timing, Brother Virgilio. You didn't come two weeks ago. You came this time. God bless you. Good to have you here. Nice to be in His presence. And nice to have the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost in our midst. Amen. We're going to just invite our brother Andrew to minister tonight. We're looking for the Lord to move. I, I, I believe we are in a great time. And I don't just say that. I really believe. I sense it. I feel it in my prayer, in the word I'm hearing. Just, just listen to different brothers and different places and I just see not the brothers but I see the Holy Ghost is leading the ministry I see the Holy Ghost is leading the believers I believe we're on the verge I believe we're closer than we've ever been before I, I look at Israel and I just I don't see that this is going to turn out good for them but I believe God's going to be their portion and I believe God's going to be the portion of the bride. He's dealing with lives. He's dealing with many. I, I'm just, I just want to feed off of him tonight. We're going to look for the Lord I, just to move and deal with our lives. Let's just sing, He is here. Hallelujah, He is here. He is here. Let's 
together if you would. Turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Amen. It's good to be a Christian, isn't it? Amen. I believe, as Brother Red said, we are really right on the cusp, right on the verge, right there, ready to cross over. But let's rise to the occasion. Doesn't something like this want to make you just rise to the occasion? When the pressure gets on and Satan's trying everything he can, it makes you want to just step up and say, I want to do everything I can to overcome. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, we'll just read one verse here, verse 28. Said, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Amen. Let's bow our heads together, if you would. How many have a need on their heart? They just want to lift their hand to the Lord tonight. We need the Lord to move again in our midst. Amen. You have faith tonight? You believe the Lord can move? Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we just come, Lord, solemnly before you tonight. Lord, I'm nervous myself, Lord. You know the burden you've put on my heart and Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd help it to come out the right way. Lord, I pray you would just speak to the people tonight. And Father, my words would fail, Lord. That's, that's why we read your holy word. That Lord, heavens and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. But Father, now I pray you just take control even of this being, Lord. And take the gift that you put there, Lord, and use it for your glory and honor. We ask, Lord, as we would... Speak these words knowing, Lord Jesus, that your words, they are spirit and they are life. Lord, we want you to open it to our hearts, Lord. And Father, at the risk of sounding like someone else, Lord, I would say this service is very important, probably the most important. But Lord Jesus, maybe there'll be another one that would be more important, I don't know. But, Lord, we approach these words, Lord, with reverence and humility and ask you to have the preeminence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's just have our seats if you'd like. Forgive me, I'm a little bit nervous, but... Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. As we just read just one verse here in in Genesis chapter 1, maybe... 
familiar text to everyone as it would talk about God created man and in his own image and in the image of God created he him male and female created he them amen but then God blessed them and then said unto them be fruitful multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and I want to speak tonight on the objectives if I could just take a simple title of the objectives and I want to say God always gives clear objectives God doesn't beat around the bush when he's interested in giving you an objective of something you're to go and obtain, something you're to go, and and this is the goal, and this is what you're to come to. God doesn't make you guess at what it might be. He gives you a very clear objective of what you are to do and how even you're good to go about it. But here as we, we read the first objective that God ever gave to mankind as he created man in his own image, and he gave them an objective. He gave them something to do. He gave them a goal. Go forth, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. This was the objective that God was giving Adam there in the garden. When he was even just a spirit man, he was not yet even given a body yet, but he gave him the objective. He was created, in other words, for a purpose. He was created for a reason, and God had a reason for his being, and he had a purpose for Adam to be there, amen, and he gave him something for him to do. And we want to just look at this objective as as Adam would would begin to do these things, as we know as Adam would, would be there in the garden, he would be there alone, and God would bring the animals to Adam, and God, and, and Adam, by inspiration of the Lord, would begin to name the animals, and he would call the lion a lion, and a cat a cat, and different things, and whatever they would do that would inspire him. But it was a, a part of the objective that God was giving him, dominion over the earth to do these things. Perhaps he had any... He, we know he had dominion so much over the earth that perhaps he moved a tree here or there and he made a seed grow up here and he made something move over there. Why? Because he was given dominion over the earth. He was able to do with it as he pleased. Are you with me this morning? Amen. I know it's a Wednesday night and I know we had good services on the weekend, but we're here to serve the Lord. Amen. We want to see God move in our midst, not just on Sunday, not just when the special speaker's here, not just when the evangelist gets up, but we want every service to be special before God. We want to pull on the word. If you pull, I'll preach. We can get something out of it. Amen. Uh, forgive me. I do have quite a burden on my heart tonight. I hope I can just condense it into about an hour, but I really pray the Lord will make it a reality to you as really what I'm speaking on in the objectives is you must be born again. He said, that's real simple, Brother Andrew. We've heard that over and over and over and over again. But as we're coming up to the end time, as Brother Ed said, we're right there on the verge. We're right there at the end of time. You must be born again. You can't do it on our own. And here was Adam there in the garden, living in a perfect realm and having dominion over the earth. But there came a time that sin began to creep in. Sin being unbelief when Adam and Eve and Adam would have conversations with the serpent, but one day the serpent wasn't quite himself. So we know that Satan stepped into the serpent and he began to speak words to Eve that weren't quite right. And he began to twist the truth, but what was it? Eve believed a lie. And then when they came down to all of these objectives, they had dominion over the fish of the sea. They had over the fowl of the air, over everything that moved upon the face of the earth. They could, could subdue the earth. They replenished the earth. They could be fruitful. But when it came to this thing, multiply. Right. Sin got in. 
multiplied. That was still a part of the objective. God gave the objective before the fall. Multiply. Therefore, God had a proper way for it to be done. God had a way of faith provided if they could have stepped into it because he gave the objective. And God gives objectives. He also gives means to obtain the objectives. But Satan gave, come in and showed them a different motive in order to fulfill the objective. Showed them a different way, a different sin, a way that was sinful and that was unbelief. When it came to this multiplication, Eve then had to step out of faith and step into something that was natural, that was carnal, in order to fulfill what God gave them as a supernatural objective. Oh, praise be to God. When God gave this objective, it was never intended to be a natural objective. God operates in a faith realm. He always did. He always has. He always will. Amen. When God gave them this objective, he wasn't thinking that it would be through sex. Though now there's never a new thought. God knew what would happen. But God had a way provided, and he still does. It's a way of faith in order to multiply and replenish the earth. Amen. Oh, saints, the whole armor of God is supernatural. Don't ever believe the lie of the devil. You don't have to prove your faith by scientific means. I just, I just say it this way. I hate that term, Christian apologetics. I'm not apologizing for my faith. I'm not, I'm not trying to find reasons in science to say it proves God. I don't have to prove God. I believe that he is and therefore he is. I know that he exists because he's proven himself real because I had faith in God. And God operates on that kind of a realm, and God is a supernatural God, and Satan will constantly try and tell you, but you need to prove it naturally, but you need to prove it naturally, but you need to prove it naturally. You don't need to prove it naturally. God proves himself in supernatural ways to them that believe him. Now, Brother Branham would say, now let us tonight, let us just check our desires. Then you can see what kind of a filter. This is from Thinking Man's Filter. Then you can see what kind of a filter you're drawing through. Let's check each one of us here. Check out across the nations. He'd say, check our desires. What do you really want in life? Oh, that's good for all of us in Laodicea. Let's really check our desires. What do we really want in life? Check what we're fighting for. Check what you're here for. Check what you go to church for. Oh, he says, it's good to go to church, but just going to church only, that won't save you. Just check just a few minutes. What's your objective? What kind of a filter are you drawing through anyhow? Hey, man, let's check up tonight and say, what, what, what is my objective in life? What do I really want in life? What am I fighting for? Is what I'm fighting for a kingdom here on this earth? Am I fighting for wealth and prestige on this earth? Am I fighting for that eternal home? Am I fighting for that theophany body? Am I fighting against the enemy? The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. What are you fighting for, to get into the kingdom or to get out? The Bible says if you won't cope with the word of God and your soul don't do it, then there's something wrong. This is the same quote. He says if you won't cope with the word of God and your soul don't do it, then there's something wrong. For it shows that your taste, what kind of a life is in you. 
If it's a holy, discreet, honorable, it'll come out that way. If the life that's in you is holy, if the life that's in you is discreet, if it's an honorable life, it'll come out that way. Amen. You don't have to prove it naturally. It will prove itself naturally. Amen. Because it's a supernatural God. It'll change you on the inside and make you somebody you weren't in the first place. It'll change your very desires. It'll change your very nature. That's why he says, check up. What's your desires? What are you fighting for? Because the life that's in you is what causes you to desire something. It's what causes you to fight for something. You ever seen a dead person fight? I haven't. No, that's Hollywood. With their zombies and their undead army and their... It's all just a lie. Dead men are just dead. But it's a life on the inside that causes somebody. And as long as someone, no matter how sick they might be or how at death's door they might be, if there's life on the inside, there's something in them that desires to fight for that life. Amen. The life that is on the inside of an individual will fight for what is important and what is the desires of that life. If it's a holy, discreet, and honorable thing, it'll come out that way. If it's a filthy thing, it'll come out that way. He says, if you taste, if the taste is the word of God and the will of God, if that's your taste and you know what's in you, what's drawing that taste, it shows that you're a part of that word. That word is in you, drawing from the word. A holy taste. Amen. The word of God, a holy filter. The word of God will create a holy man's taste. Say, I really want that taste. Brother Andrew, sometimes I want that. Sometimes I don't. Check what's in you. Check the life that's in you. Does it cope with the word? The word that says you can't serve God and mammon at the same time. If if you cannot cope with the word, it proves the character that's on the inside, the life that's on the inside. The message life for the Bradham says, so therefore, he says, to live a sermon is much better than to preach one. The life you live shows the character you are. Because your life always builds your character. Jesus said, by their fruit you shall know them. So no matter what you would say or how you would testify, if our lives doesn't coincide with that testimony, then we're doing the kingdom of God and indebtedment by giving that testimony. Because people know what you are. In other words, walking around, and it's such a shame, the Christian world, nominal today, saying we're Christians, we follow Christ, drinking and smoking and gambling and carrying on, cheating and lying and stealing, just like the world that don't profess to be Christians. My, what kind of an indebtedment is that to the kingdom of God? But we aren't a part of that. We're a called out people, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Amen. We're called to show forth the praises of God. Amen. That his life would live in us, that we would be able to cope with the word. Hallelujah. We and ourselves could not. That's why Ezekiel says he took out the heart of stone. It has to be through a process. As we had a skit up here with the young people, you need a heart surgery. You need something to come and take away that heart of stone. Put a new heart in you, a heart of flesh, a new spirit in you, that he himself could come and make his abode with you. Hallelujah. 
He wants it more than we want it, but I want to take this quote perhaps in a little bit of a different way than what we're used to. It's not just that we would live a sermon, because if you, if you can live a sermon, but that means that there's a character inside of you pushing out to live the right kind of life. It means there's a life in you pushing out that way. But it's not just in deed only, but also in word. As Brother Branham isn't saying that you just need to be quiet and just live a good life. Are you with me? He's not saying just everyone, don't say any words. We shouldn't have any more preaching anymore. Just be quiet and just live a good life. Because it's better to live a sermon than to preach a sermon. But rather he's saying that don't profess something you don't live. That's why a live sermon is better. Because don't live one thing and profess another thing. But rather live what you're professing. Then your words will mean something. Hey man, you still got to preach. That's why Paul would say in Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him who they have not heard? And how then shall they hear without a preacher? Amen. And faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing by the word of God. It has to be an audible voice. But it has to be a lived audible voice. As Jesus would say, and he would talk about in Mark chapter 11, a familiar scripture to us all. You can turn to it if you want. But Mark chapter 11 verse 22 says, Jesus answered them saying, have faith in God. No, he'd curse the fig tree and then he went off and come back. Peter was amazed. He's come back and he said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whatsoever, you sh- that, that whatsoever shall say unto, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. He says, therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Hallelujah. But I want to just take this for a moment and just realize when it says whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. When you really believe something, it changes your actions. You've spoken the word and you've asked the Father for something. But when you walk out of there, if you really believe that you've gotten it, you're going to start living that way. Like Brother Bradham said when he was suffering with that illness, he'd get every so many years and he said he would just sit down and say, no, by his, by his stripes I'm healed. He'd take another bite and come back up and he swallowed it back down. Why? Because he really believed what he was asking for. He really believed, hallelujah. Well, you really believe if you're in need of work, to, work today and you say, I don't got no work, Brother Andrew. If you really prayed and believed what you're asking for, you'd get up in the morning, you'd make yourself breakfast and a coffee. Even if you don't drink coffee. (laughs) But you get up and you make yourself breakfast like you were going to work. Why? Because you believe that what you prayed for. You believe what you asked for. You would receive it. So get up in the morning. 
You need healing tonight. Oh, praise be to God. Don't be worried about going off to the doctors. We thank God for doctors, but live like you're healed. Live like you've already received it. Why? Because if you really believe it, it'll change your actions. Oh, praise be to God. The Bible didn't say live to the mountain. Whosoever would live a holy life in front of the mountain, the mountain would get scared and move. He said, speak. Let's be quiet and see what happens. You can't shame the mountain into moving. You're not going to shame the devil into leaving. It's the word of God. That defeats the devil any time, any place, and anywhere. And the word of God is a word. A word is a thought expressed. It's got to be spoken on lips of faith. Speak and don't doubt in your heart. Have the character to back up the confession of your faith. Oh, praise be to God. Speak the word. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Oh, praise God. Oh, Brother Andrew, my life copes with the word. I'm telling you, I wear a long skirt. I ain't never cut my hair. My life copes with the word. I'm telling you, but that brother over there, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Brother Andrew, since I read that quote, I ain't never put a pair of shorts on, but I'm telling you, Let no corrupt communication. Does your life really cope with the word? Brother Bradham said you ought to be in church on Sunday morning and the word of God says you ought to gather yourself together the more even as the end time draws near. I'm in church every time the doors are open. Praise God for that. But let no corrupt communication. Does your life cope with the word? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I'm not just preaching this across you. I'm saying this in love because it's just to me as well. If I'm pointing at you, I'm pointing back at myself because I need you to understand there's a burden on my heart saying, Lord, help me to live in a higher realm. Take me deeper in love with you. Take my thoughts higher into the realms of the heavenlies. Let me live with God in heavenly places. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister Grace to the hearers. God help us. God help me to speak that way. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of your redemption. The next verse, he just talked about you're sealed to the day of redemption. The next verse, he says, and let all bitterness and wrath, and anger, and clamor. Only time in the Bible that word's actually used, clamor, and evil speaking. Be put away from you with all malice. These words are particular words that Paul is using here. This is speaking to an Ephesian mature church. This is the Ephesian church he's talking to. Saying, listen, these are not things that are just washed off. Oh, this is good. 
These are not things that are just washed off and just, well, I just believe the Lord, it'll just leave. It'll just leave. It'll just leave. No, he says, put them away. You need to make a conscious effort to say, I'm not going to dwell in that bitterness anymore. I am going to make sure, God, that I am overcoming this bitterness. Yes, it's by the blood of Jesus. It's his grace that gives us the ability to overcome it. But he needs us to make a conscious effort to say, God, I am expelling this devil out of my life by the grace of God. I am willing to put away the wrath. I'm willing to put away the anger. I'm willing to put away the clamor. Well, think of it. What's clamor? Clamor is crying. Crying out in complaint. Put it away. Your new birth didn't automatically take this out of you. You need to put this away. The fact that someone's complaining doesn't mean they're not born again. But we need to make sure we're, 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 we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit enough to say, Lord, I'm not going to cry about it. Woe is me. Think about Moses for a minute. Moses was set up there, stuck there looking over the Red Sea. Mountains on each side and the Egyptians at the back. Two million people on one side telling them, you're a poor general. Clamoring. Crying and complaint to him. He turns to God and God says, why are you crying to me? I gave you an objective. I gave you a clear-cut objective. I told you to go down and get the children of Israel, bring them to Sinai, and I'll meet them there. Did I tell you about anything else? No, I said, that's the objective. Obtain the objective. Anything else in the middle is just a, a nothing. Anything else between it. Faith knows no obstacle. If you really got faith in the word of God, Moses had faith in God, but he turned with the people crying and he got in that spirit for a moment, but God said, why cry? Speak. The same rod that you used to give 10 plagues come down, raise it up. It's still got power in it. I didn't take it away. Hallelujah. You can look back to the devil and he's put you through the test and he's trying to get you to cry, trying to get you to clamor, trying to say, oh my goodness, you're not really a Christian anymore. Oh, God, you could point back and say the power he gave me. It still works. Clamor. Put it away. These are particular words Paul's using. You need to be mature Christians. You've been sealed to the day of your redemption. Put those things aside. What are those things? They affect relationships between individual in the church and individual in the church. Bitterness affects the moving of the Holy Ghost in the body of Christ. Wrath affects your relationship with your brother and sister. Anger affects that relationship also. Clamoring affects the power of God. Stops it up in your life. Causes him to be angry with you. It did with the children of Israel. 
40 years they wondered why, because they wouldn't stop crying. Malice, those evil intentions, put it away. The next verse, it says, and be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Here comes forgiveness again. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Bible would say in Ephesians as well, husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for it. If we go back to the very first couple in the Garden of Eden, Adam loved Eve. Let me just point out something very blatant and very obvious and very crude. Eve cheated on Adam. Eve had sex with another being and got pregnant. And Brother Brenham says, and Adam immediately took her to his side. Let me just ask you this. Forgive me. This is just the burden on my heart. This is for somebody. What has she ever done to you to cause you to shun her? Eve just and Adam just went through the most horrible relationship experience. And he took her quickly to his side in redemption. The love of God. The love of Jesus Christ within him. We all claim to be born again. The power of God within us. If you've got that life in you, that's the love of Christ. What has she ever done to cause you to shun her? Maybe it's the things we're feeding on, brothers. Trying to create some false stoicism. I got to be stoic, Brother Andrew. Got to not react. I got to, oh, mercy. Be tender to the Holy Ghost. Love one another. Wives, the Bible would say, be in subjections to your own husbands. The Bible would talk about Sarah, who, who even called Abraham Lord. So, oh, Brother Andrew, I don't know if I could do that. My husband, he's not really quite there. Abraham lied to her face about her. He said, you're going to tell Pharaoh that you're just my sister. Half-truth. Causing her to almost be married to another man. And yet Sarah called him Lord. And obeyed him in it. Love. Sarah, doubting the promise, said maybe it would be fulfilled through Hagar. I don't find in the Bible where Abraham preached a one-hour sermon to her about doubt. He didn't step all over her and try and get all over and say, how could you do this? You're not a great wife to me. You've done all these things. No. Let me read it from the message to you. 
what I'm saying, the seed is not with the shock. He said, we see here that Sarah, after God had told Abraham the child would be born through Sarah to bless the world, how that Sarah doubted it. He said, I want you to notice it never came by Abraham, but by Sarah, the female. And she doubted it. She said, take Hagar. And Abraham didn't want to do that. But God told him to go ahead and do it anyhow. So hold on a second. That means when Abraham heard from Sarah, just take Hagar, he didn't get up and get all huffy. He said, all right, and he went into his prayer closet. He got a hold of God. and said, God, what do you think about this? And God, because of the love of Abraham had for Sarah, because of that love that was there God honored that desire even though it was doubting the promise and we know what it brought forth Brother Brown would say that's what Paul is trying to say he's to see there where one thing is doubted it brings down a certain thing of God a certain order of God but it won't be heir with the original order of God See, when the promise is doubted, I'll say it this way, when the objective is doubted, it'll bring something about, something that will be God, but it will not be heir with the original. When the promise is doubted, it says you must be born again, and you say, well, maybe it's just not for me. You know, you might have church, and you might have church, and you might have something of God speaking to you over and over, and it might be something of the Lord. But doubt won't get it for you. The Bible says, let love be without dissimulation. Romans 12, 9. Let love be without dissimulation. In other words, let it be genuine. Let it be sincere. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, And now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. That's the same word there as, as, this, as without dissimulation. In other words, let your faith be genuine. Let your love be genuine. Brother Brennan would say love and faith, they work together, they're sisters. They work in that way. And, 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 and let me just read it to you here, sorry. Faith and love is a relation. That's what he says, because you can't have faith unless you've got love. Because your faith is in God, who is the very essence of love. Love and faith works together. Amen. And as we read these scriptures, you can't have it with just, with dissimulation. You can't have it with insincerity. Now the end of the commandment is love. James 3 verse 14 says, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. It says, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. In other words, someone really thought this was wisdom. To think, in other words, that their knowledge 
was better than the Word of God. While having strife and envyings in their heart. Don't speak against one another, especially not the power of God or the Word, saying, oh, it, it, it didn't work for me. I don't know if it'll work for you. Don't say that. It's because something was there. Are you willing to put aside bitterness, malice, envyings? Scripture goes on to say, but where envyings is strife is, there is confusion and evil work. Oh my. It says, but the wisdom which is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. That's the same word there, without dissimulation, without hypocrisy. Without being un, with, while being unfeigned, without insincerity. First Peter chapter one verse twenty two says, "Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently." Andrew, where, where are you going with all this? God's given us an objective. And he cares about how that objective is fulfilled. Eve fulfilled the objective. But she went about it the wrong way. And it brought forth death. God doesn't just care about the objective. He cares so much about how you get there. That just like it was for Moses, he'll put obstacles in the way just to show you it's only by faith in the word of God that you'll be able to obtain his objective. Forgiveness, as we read in, in, in Mark chapter 11, Forgive when you stand praying. If you have ought against your brother, forgive them. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you. As we read it again in Ephesians. Chapter 4, verse 32 says that you be kind one to another, tenderhearted, even forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Forgive. Faith is based in forgiveness. Faith cannot move without forgiveness. Envyings, strife, those things bind up faith. Because they're based in a lack of forgiveness. You can't hold something in your heart and expect to have faith in your circumstances. You can't hold something in your heart, and sometimes we, we put it to God. The word of God has never been to fault for a failing. Our lack of faith has. But sometimes we put it to God and say, but I had faith, I had faith, I had faith. I claimed, I claimed, I claimed, I believed, I believed. All the time holding 
something in our heart against somebody. Faith cannot exist with unforgiveness. It is based, Brother Benham would say, in forgiveness. Let me just bring this a step further. Forgive yourself. Stop holding yourself to the grindstone for the things the devil tricked you into. Repent of it. Give it to God. I was listening to a podcast not long ago of a man that, that, that was a Delta Force operator. He operated in Iraq and around that area, different places as well, Afghanistan. He was, I believe, a sergeant major in his, in his unit there. And he had a lot of men under him. They were asking him, they said, do you have post-traumatic stress? He said, no, I don't. How is it possible for someone to do what you did and not have post-traumatic stress? He said, it's easy. He said, every time something happened and I went out into the field and something happened or I witnessed something, he says, I verbally told myself, let it go. You couldn't do anything about it. Let it go. Forgive yourself. He said, he would actually take his men when they would come back and he would watch them and as, as, as a man maybe was just, he could see he was kind of getting off to himself and thinking about things. He would go and grab the guy by the arms and say, let it go. Just let it go. And the guy was, you know, they're big tough guys from Delta Force, big army guys and they, get off of me. You don't know what you're doing. I got it. I can handle myself. He says, no, you're beating yourself up. You couldn't help that person. Let it go. Forgive yourself. And he said, actually, the men that would listen to him would come back from war and thank him because none of them suffer from post-traumatic stress. Because something in their minds where they wouldn't beat themselves up over it, where they just begin to let it go and say, we did our best. We did everything we could. And I'm going to let go of the rest. He said, you have to forgive yourself. They, they refused to allow the things they could not control get to them. Oh my, let me say it this way. Once you yielded your members of members of unrighteousness. But let me help you with that because I want you to understand without the power of the Holy Ghost, you didn't have a choice. You didn't have enough power in yourself to overcome the devil. None of us do. So stop beating yourself up for the past and the things that gone by before you got the Holy Ghost to say, well, it happened and I did this. No, the devil did that and you couldn't overcome the devil. But when a power came in you that was greater than his power, it was over. So forgive yourself. Let it go. That's not who you are anymore. Stop giving the enemy power over you. He just changed his tactics. He doesn't use me that way anymore, but he changed his tactics and started to try and give you guilt. Change the unbelief into guilt. I got guilt. I did this wrong. I did that wrong. I did that wrong. I wish I would have done that wrong. Let it go. That's not you anymore by the power of the Holy Spirit. By a new birth, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're not accountable for those things because the blood of Jesus Christ has washed them off the record. It's not for us to decide who to witness to based on our feelings. 
see someone we just think is too rough around the edges and say, well, no, they wouldn't make a good Christian. See someone that's just too wealthy. No, they wouldn't make a good Christian. Oh, God. How many times we keep our mouths shut? Because it might look bad on the job. How many times we keep our mouths shut? We don't witness for the Lord. Doug Baker said it on the weekend. I'll say it again. I didn't... Brother Branham, never was there a man who talked so much about the Lord Jesus. How many times we, for our own personal gain, I'm just looking at myself here, we'll keep our mouths shut because we don't want to look funny. We don't want to say something that maybe they'd even kick us out of their house or they'd say something to my boss or they wouldn't like me very much or, and I don't want to say something for God. Oh, Brother Andrew, we need to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. I understand We need to be careful where we say something. We need to just be salty. We need to live a sermon, I understand. But how will they hear unless someone preaches it? Maybe you being in that home, maybe me being in that home is their only opportunity to hear the gospel. Maybe you working with that individual on the plant, you say, why is this guy filling in with this other guy? I don't like working with him very much. Why is he here? Because he needs to hear the word. I remember one time I was working in a house and a guy came in. He, was, he wasn't even the painter. He was the painter's boss. And he was just, he said, I'm just a coordinator. I shouldn't even be here. He says, I hate coming into these jobs. I shouldn't even be in this job. I said, are you a Christian? <laughs> what was that supposed to mean? I said, listen, man, I got you here for five minutes. You're not even supposed to be here, so that's great. That means you're here for a purpose. Talked to him about the Lord for five minutes. I haven't heard from him since, or I don't know if I ever will again. I pray one day I will. I don't remember his name to this day. It was a couple of years, maybe a year or so ago, maybe a couple of years. But my, I thought, Lord, if that was his only opportunity, he got the opportunity, and I didn't shy away. Thank you, Jesus. Even Jesus said, It isn't me who judges, it's my words. you got to speak the word to discern the individual. The word does the discerning. Because Eve sought to accomplish the objectives through unbelief, it brought about death. In other words, the ends don't justify the means. But rather, the end and the means are, getting, are of equal importance to God. He gave you an objective, but he cares how you get there. You go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Familiar scripture to us all. It says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you all, we even to the end of the world. Amen. Say, praise God. He gave the objective. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But God cared how they did it. He said, first make sure you go and wait until you be endued with power from on high. First go up into the, the, the upper room and wait there. Hallelujah. We know that in Acts chapter 1 of being assembled together with them and commanded that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, saith, ye, uh, saith he, uh, ye have heard 
of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And they went up there and they waited there for 10 days in the upper room. And they waited. Brother Ed was preaching on recently. They waited and waited and waited and waited. 10 days is a long time. As I said last time, forever is a matter of time based on your circumstances. Waiting for 10 days in an upper room with 120 people is forever. After about day five, you've talked to everybody. After about day six, you've talked to everybody you enjoyed talking to a second time. After about day seven, but there was something that began to move on their hearts. In other words, God gave them a space of time to get the how you doing today out of the way. How's work going? How's the fishing lately? All the sisters, he gave time to get all the recipes out of the way. How'd you make flatbread? How'd you make flatbread? How'd you make the unleavened bread? I made it without leaven. Oh, I made it without leaven. Oh, I made it without leaven. He gave them time to talk about the soups and to talk about the this and to talk about the that. He gave the brothers time to talk about the, all the different fish and the fishing stories. Get it all out of the way. Get all the stories that they had of this one had this story of Jesus. That one had to get it all the way. Then finally it come to an end. What are we going to talk about now? Maybe we just ought to pray. Don't you kind of miss the Lord? I do. We've been here. We've kind of had enough of each other. We need the Lord in our midst. We need something greater here. He said to wait for a purpose. He said there was an objective to all of this. We haven't got the objective yet. There's got to be something happening. And they begin to think on the Lord. They begin to think. We don't have insight into all that was going on in the the upper room in those 10 days. But there was something that was happening as they were waiting for the purpose to be endured with power from on high. Not having a clue of what exactly they were waiting for. Moses was bringing two million people to a mountain and they had no idea what to expect. And when they got there, they were terrified. Hallelujah. 120 of them in an upper room having no idea what to expect. But because it was every one of them receiving the Holy Spirit, there was no terror in it. God always has a vested interest in exactly how we fulfill our objective. He doesn't leave us with an objective without, and just see how we'll go about it. He said, wait until, then go preach. John 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born if he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, You must be born again. You've got another objective. You must be born again. Let me bring it to you this way. Forgive me, I kind of, I enjoy modern war history, so 
There was a, a task force created. It was the largest special operations task force in history called the 414. It was put up together by all signs of SAS and SBS and, and Delta Force and all kinds of Navy SEALs and all the best guys from all these different NATO countries. They put it all together through hundreds of them and they went through what they call a, an operations tempo like never before. They were looking for, uh, for terrorists, especially the most wanted terrorists, one of the men that had done so many horrible car bombings, bombings in Israel, bombings all around the world. He'd done horrible things. It wasn't uh, the Al-Qaeda guy. It was another man. I can't remember his name at this time. But they were looking for him, and then they would say, we were going through an operations tempo of 300 operations a month. Now, if you understand anything about modern war, a special operations team will generally do maybe one a week at a high operations rate. But they were doing 10 a day. Every time they would get intelligence, he's over here, they'd go hit it. He's over there, 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 and there was dry hole. They called it dry hole. In other words, there's nobody there. It was false intelligence, or the guy wasn't there, he escaped, and he didn't get there in time. It was dry hole after dry hole for months on end, 300 times a month. But they kept going until finally they got the guy they were after. See, what's that got to do with Beth Brother Andrew? Quite simple. You might be sitting here tonight saying, I've tried it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Every time somebody says, you got to be born again, I've got on my knees and I've tried. Every one time there's an altar call, I'm there at the altar. And Brother Andrew, I don't feel like I got it. Every time somebody says, you got to be more sincere, I try to be more sincere. And it doesn't seem it doesn't get it. And I, every time somebody says, you got to love with all your heart, without deceit, I try, Brother Andrew, and I go this way, and I get it, and I try, and nothing ever happens, and I'm in the same hole, and it's at this camp, and I go to that camp, and I come back, and I'm the same person, and I go to that camp, and I go to that convention, and this special speaker comes, and that special speaker comes. We've got another person up there just Dry hole after dry hole after dry hole. Stay with it. Because one of these days, it'll be there. One of these days, the objective you'll be given will be right exactly where the intelligence is. It'll meet. Oh, praise be to God. Don't be discouraged with the objectives because it wasn't there and it wasn't there. Keep seeking after God with all of your heart. He'll be there one of these days. Oh, praise be to God. The Bible says, keep your eyes upon Jesus. Look and live. We need to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you keep your eyes on something, you don't take it off every time something becomes more flashy. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Sometimes that's the problem. We're too busy. Sorry, there was Jesus. I got a problem with my wife. Now, if you just cut that right there, it's going to be an issue. But every time we're driving home sometimes, she'll put up in the ceiling and say, did you see that up in, the, up in the sky? See what? There's a shooting star. I have never seen a shooting star in my life. In our marriage, she's probably seen half a dozen. And she's pointed every one of them out to me. And I'm too slow. She's right there, shooting star. I look up and I'm it's just a satellite. She's like, no, it was there. I saw it. She's keeping her eyes on something. I'm too busy driving, looking at this, looking at that, looking over here. Sometimes we're that way as Christians. 
Christ wants to come and he wants you to keep your eyes on me. Look for me. Seek for me. And we're too busy looking at this and looking at that and looking over at this news article and that social media and this YouTube and this over here, this friendship and that friendship. Some of these things are good, but we get so busy that when Christ comes by way, we're nowhere to be found. We need to keep looking to Jesus. Regardless of the circumstances, keep your eyes on the word. Don't go off looking at every other voice, every other idea that comes our way. Oh, but have you heard this one? Have you heard that one, Brother Andrew? We can get so caught up in religious programs, in religious things. We're looking at this man and, sorry, forgive me, this debate over here and that debate over there and this psychology book over here and that psychology book over here and this preacher over here and that preacher over there and then we come down and sit in church and we're like bumps on the log. I've just got to preach it the way it is. Sometimes asking, why why isn't my preacher like that guy? That's not the way so-and-so said it. Why? Because we're so scattered in our thinking. The Ram says, and I have heard, but now I see. 1965, in November 1965, he says, you cannot ask in faith unless there's a real objective to that. He says, to be in the will of God. If you want to be well, what do you want to be well for? Oh, glory be to God. I want to ask this question. Anyone here that isn't well, what do you want to be well for? If you want to be healed, what's the reason you want to be healed? What are you telling God? What do you want to do with your life when you get healed? You've got to have a motive and objective. They have to be right according to the will of God. And then, then's when the faith is revealed to you and God by his sovereign grace places the faith in there, then it's over. Oh, praise be to God. Why do we want to be healed? Why do we want to serve God? Why? What's our motive? What's driving us? What are we fighting for? What's the something within us, the life that's pushing out? He said, I just want to be healed. I want to be better, Brother Andrew, so I can be a better hockey player. Is God obligated to that? I want to be better, Brother Andrew, so I can work more and make more money. Is, is God obligated to that? Or is this you could serve the Lord Jesus with all of your heart? So you could be in the will of God, whatever that will may be. Maybe that will includes hockey. I'm pretty sure that will probably includes a job. But is your motive right? Is your objective right? God wants someone that will testify of his greatness. Why do you want the supernatural God? Is it just for selfish gain? Why would God give somebody a testimony just for them to go? I'm not saying nothing about this. Why would God do a great miracle in your life just for you to push it under the rug and go, yeah, thanks. Or is it for the glory of Almighty God? Have we not given man enough glory? 
have we not shared his glory with others? With great gifts that God sends amongst the body. And we've glorified the gift. Let love be without dissimulation. In other words, don't let it be, well, that one's got a good gift. I love them more. That one's wealthy. I love them more. That one's pretty. I love them more. The love of God, agapo love is not that way. Agapo love loves his bride and the sinner on equal basis. Because he is love. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... That anyone that would believe on him, whether they be the rankest sinner, and God knows they'll never receive it. But he says, I died for you anyways. I gave you the chance. I gave you the opportunity because of my love for you. Yes, I know my bride would receive it because I predestined her before the foundation of the world. I knew who she would be and I called her on and I won't lose one, but I love them all. And I would that no one would be lost. That's my heart tonight to you. Let love be without dissimulation. Let us love one another, whether they be the prettiest or the ugliest, the best or the worst, whether they be the most gifted or the least gifted. Let us love them with the love of God in our hearts. Not because we're obligated to, but because of the life that's on the inside. Let it live out. It's not something you have to force that had to happen. The only thing you have to do is get malice out of the way. Get strife out of the way. Get envyings out of the way. Get the bitterness out of the way. Get all these other things, isms out of the way. That we've allowed, we've built up and built up and built up complexes in our lives. That have been built up into our lives that were so complex no one could understand us. And the best way to build up a complex, attach C4 explosives onto the supporting columns. Whatever's supporting that complex, just blow it up. Just take the nuclear bomb of prayer. Say, God, I'm giving this all to you. It's yours now. All these things, complexes are supported by truth. They're things that were true. They're things that were done to you. And all of a sudden, we built all kinds of other things on top of it. Blow it out. Be simple. Oh my. You can't bring all those things with you. Would you give me a few more minutes? Is that enough amens to keep going? I think I heard that recently. Let me just put a few pages of notes into a quick synopsis. Jacob was there and he lost his son. Joseph, as we know, Joseph was down there in Egypt for a purpose. God had an objective in it. But in all of that, there was Jacob, there came a time when the drought came and he had to go down to Egypt. He'd heard his son was alive. It was time to go down there. As he went down there into Egypt and Joseph ran out to meet him and they had a great reunion and it was a wonderful time. But in all of it, Joseph says, I have to represent you to Pharaoh. I desire that you live in the land of Goshen. It's the best land that's here in the country. But you need to tell Pharaoh that you're cattle herders. 
because shepherds are an abomination here. That's how Jacob went down into Egypt. I love that Jacob, when he got down there, he got in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh, of course, just like Joseph thought, what do you do? what's your occupation? What do you do for work? He just looks right at him and says, I'm a shepherd. I got sheep. Our pastures are dry. He just goes right off the rails, actually. Our pastures were dry up there, and that's why we're down here. It's because of the sheep. <laughs> he made sure Pharaoh knew what we're all about. He was not ashamed of what God called him to be. I was a shepherd. My father was a shepherd before me. His father was a shepherd before him. Abraham was a shepherd. We're all shepherds here. Praise be to God. But as they were down there then for 400 years in bondage, they began to come back up and they took everything with them. Every hoof went with them. Every animal, everything went with them that they had. All that was theirs. They even spoiled the Egyptians, took it all with them. They went across there. But as they come up into the promised land, they begin to get their inheritance as Moses begins to divide the land between the different tribes. And there comes three tribes, two and a half tribes actually, Gedrubian and, and, and Gad and, and, and half the tribe of Manasseh that come to him and say, listen, we really like this land on the east side of Jordan. You know why? Because it's good for cattle. Something that was really good down in Egypt. So we like it. We like it. It's good grazing land for our cows. But the children of Israel were shepherds. They were supposed to have sheep. But there was something they brought with them out of Egypt that just even through all the years they just couldn't quite let go they'd held on to that for so long and they still God still had a place for them God not only gave them that land but he said I'll give you that land if you'll go with your brothers and sisters and fight for them for their inheritance over on the other side of Jordan so they had to go across Jordan with them and they had to go and see all the land which is a type of the Holy Ghost to do birth. They had to go in there and help their brothers and sisters conquer this land and they got, if I could type it right into today, they got the Holy Ghost on their flesh. They got the Holy Ghost in their spirit. They seen what it was all about but when it was all over, they went back out to the east side. Because they said that one thing, I just can't get rid of it. The one thing I like this is very conducive over here on this side of the token. I can't live in the environment of the token with this little bitterness I'm holding. I can't live in the environment of the token with the little strife I got in my heart. I got to keep it over here. Oh, and they were such good Christians. You'll find in Joshua, they even built themselves a little altar between them and the other tribes. And the tribes that were in, in the promised land are like a lot of real good, zealous, Holy Ghost believers. They got up and they said, we ought to go kill them all. They done built an altar. They did the cardinal sin. They're wrong. My doctrine's better. I'm telling you. But one of them stood up and said, hold on a second. Maybe we should just go talk to them first. That's not such a bad idea after all. Maybe we should go have a conversation first. And they got over there and they started to have a little conversation. They realized. They said, no, no. This physical thing is the witness that we're a part of you. <laughs> they said, we, we, we're, we're a part of you. And that was good. But they could never quite go all the way over. They had a witness. I dressed like a believer. 
I talk like a believer. I walk like a believer. I go to church like a believer. I listen to the tapes like a believer. I believe Moses is the prophet like a believer. Joshua, he was the, the one that took over for him. I believe 100%. I was there. I fought under Joshua. I was there. I, had, I was with you, brother. I helped you take the land, brother. I was with you the whole way, but I can't live in it. The Holy Ghost could only permeate so far in their lives because there was something in their soul, a love for something. What a wonderful type. That little thing, that little thing that was better for the flesh, they enjoyed it, made life easier, made them think about themselves better. We believe the same thing after all, but we just can't cross over there and stay there. They enjoyed that little bitterness, that little joke of envy, make fun of a little something over here, over there. That little something is getting in the way of the objectives. The Bible says God wants a church that he can lay his hands on. The way Brother Brown says that God wants a church that he can lay his hands on. One that's willing to receive him. To get everything else out of the way. He said, and I don't care how little it is. He says, two or three gathered in my name, I'll be there in the midst. He said, not just speak it. Oh, here we go. He says, but we'll gather in his name. Speaking the name of Jesus by word is not what he meant. As much as it was the attitude that you're gathered in. The environment of the name of Jesus. When we gather in that environment, that's an environment that God can come down in. When you gather in my name and ask what you will, it's the motive that you come in. It's the attitude. It's the attitude instead of just calling the name. Sinners call the name on the street, curse it and everything else. But it's the environment that you're in, the attitude that you come, coming in Jesus' name. Oh, praise be to God. We're not just gathered here speaking a name. We're gathered here in an environment. We want that in our homes. Amen. Amen. We want that in our homes. We want that in our marriages. We want that around our children. Amen. It's that token environment that's going to keep your children. It's that token environment that's going to enable them to serve the Lord. It's that token environment that's going to keep the devil out. Because it's the token that made the death angel pass. It's the token environment that's going to make sure the enemy has no place to stay. We need the token environment in our homes. The environment of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. You have an objective. You must be born again. You see it this way, the Holy Ghost can give you a fantastic sensation on the flesh and in the spirit. It can. It likely will. When they went down there to half the tribe, Manasseh, Reuben, and Gad, they fought with them in the exhilaration of battle. They raised their arms in victory with their brothers and sisters. They could rejoice. They had all that exhilaration, the excitement of the flesh. But when it came to living the token life, 
They had to go back out. So we're, we're identified with you, but we can't live in there. You have an objective. The Holy Spirit can give you a fantastic sensation on the flesh and on the spirit, but down in the soul, there is no faculty of sensation. It's either faith or doubt. That's why you could receive the new birth without sensation. Because the new birth is the Holy Ghost down in your soul. Where there isn't a sensation, but it's a stabilizer. In your everyday life. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It creates an environment of faith. In the word around about you. I want to encourage you, whatever's holding you back from that, let it go. Make a conscious effort right now. See, I know I've been born again. Let's just bow our heads together, sister or brother, as you play something softly. See, I know I've been born again. I know I've received the Holy Spirit, brother Andrew. I know where I'm standing. Take those thoughts that are contrary to the word of God. Make a conscious effort. Say, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to think these thoughts anymore. We need to go higher. We need a deeper revelation of the word of God. We need that. We need perfect faith. We need the Holy Ghost to permeate throughout our beings. It's not that complicated. But rather, just say, Lord, I'm laying down. I surrender. When these thoughts come, I can't help them from coming, but I can help them from roosting. I can help the devil. He gives me thoughts, but I can help the fact that I don't want to think them anymore. Forgive yourself of all the things Satan's done in your life. Christ has put it back on his head. Leave it there. I wonder if we could sing this song that he's playing together. Pour your spirit out on me. Fall just like the rain. Saturate my thirsty soul. Let me feel your touch again, Lord. Heal my heart and make me whole. Pour your spirit out on me. Fall just like the rain. Saturate my thirsty soul. Come and fall afresh on me. Saturate 
We really desire the Holy Ghost in every service, and I believe he's here right now. We've heard preaching so many times lately on you must be more sincere. Perfect faith, divine love, the eternal thoughts of God. These are all things that are in the objectives of God to get to us. But I wonder how many times, saints of God, we're just too ashamed to love with a fervent heart. To put our arm around our brother and sister, brother or sister. To be able to love somebody when maybe they're not that lovable. To be able to help somebody in an hour of need. To be able to give to somebody. To be able to just hold somebody up in prayer and you don't know why. Or just pray for them. You know, just get on your phone and send out a text message or give, pick up your phone and give them a call and say, hey, I'm just thinking about you. How you been? You know, sometimes we're just too ashamed to think, well, who am I? I'm nobody. I can't do that. What, what, what would I ever do? No, you're a part of the body. The body needs to be fitly joined together, edifying itself in love to let God move from joint to joint to joint to joint to be able to allow him to have the preeminence in every aspect of the body. We need the Lord Jesus Christ more each day, don't we? Maybe tonight, I know there was some hard things said, some things that aren't easy for me to say. I hope you understand my heart and my objective is in the love of God need to purify ourselves and say, Lord, I'm putting everything else aside. Let me just love you. Let me just be a tool for the grace of God. Let me be a tool for the moving of the Holy Spirit in my life. Let God move through me. I might just be a housewife. I might just be a, a machine operator. I might just be someone that just helps back up trucks. I might be someone who just works in a warehouse. I might be somebody that I don't, I don't really even have a job. I just work at A&W, Brother Andrew. I'm just going to school right now. I'm a nobody. God wants to use you. God has a purpose for you. You have an objective. And anything between you and that objective is nothing. Because God gave you an objective and he'll bring you to that objective if you'll just trust him. Have faith in God. Ask whatever you will. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, why? What's the mountain? Something in the way of the objective. God wants you to obtain it. It's for you. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, you are here, Lord, in just a real sober atmosphere, but Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would make it real, Lord, to our hearts, Lord. As was prayed, Lord, this morning, Lord, just melt it into our hearts, Father. Let the word just begin to permeate deeper and deeper into ourselves, Lord. Father, become a reality, Lord, and a lived out life, Lord. A sermon, Lord Jesus, that would be lived, that we couldn't keep quiet. But Lord, we couldn't help but testify to those around us. We couldn't help but say something. Somebody would notice and we wouldn't be ashamed of you. Lord Jesus, make yourself more real, Lord, each and every day. Remember those, Father, that they would be traveling soon. Lord, I pray you go with them, Lord Jesus. 
Father, go with us as we depart from here. Go back to our homes. We ask that you'd go with us, Lord Jesus. Father, we love you now. We thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me just change it a little bit. My hope is in the Lord. I stand in awe within the presence of the Lord. Whom the wisdom of the ages lie. For whom the raging of the sea subsides. The living sacrifice. Yeah.